theyeshiva.net. We're holding on page Yud Ches in the Kuntris of Bossi Lagani. Bossi Lagani Tovshin Tesvav, right? Yud Shema Tovshin Tesvav in the middle of Sif Hey. We learned last week the beginning of Sif Hey, the first two paragraphs, and we're holding the third paragraph of the Sif Hey, page Yud Ches in the Kuntris. You guys got it? The paragraph starts with Mamshech. Oh, last week was Gedicht. You remember? Say a gedicht, creating worlds. Okay. The Maimer Basilagani Tovshin Yud continues discussing the idea that Nevi'im during Nevua used to often literally remove their clothes. So, on one level, it was Pashat literally. They would often undress themselves. Pasuk says in Shmuel, Aleph Perikutes which he brings in the Maimer, about Shaul, that Shaul also removed, he divested himself from his clothes, and that's when he said prophecy. But it also means spiritually, the Radak writes, as he brought earlier in the Maimer, that the Novi has to remove his Bgadim, remove his Levushim, not just physical Levushim, but also spiritual Levushim, as he's going to explain. And for the Navi to experience Nevuah, so he removes his Midas, he removes his Seichel, he removes his Levushim, and only then does he become a Navi. And the Maimir explains as follows. What's the idea behind this? Why? What does it mean that he has to remove his clothes? And why does he have to remove his clothes? The Levushim are all a result of the sin of the tree of knowledge. Before Adam and Chava ate from the Eitz Adas, the Pasuk says they were both without clothes and they weren't ashamed. Once they ate, suddenly the Pasuk says, They became cognizant of the fact that they're naked and it bothered them. They were embarrassed. Before they were also without clothes. But they weren't self-conscious. It didn't... It wasn't a cause for shame. As a result of the Eitzadas, nakedness became a cause of shame. Sure, sure, ask. But wasn't it also that they were covered with nails all over? So that's also a certain way of the bush. And that vanished after the faith. So, no? It's not like they were really naked then. Okay, it says after the faith, Hashem made for them kosnus oir. By Albishim. Hashem made for them, so what's Pshat Kosnus Oyer? So there's different Pirushim. Either Kosnus Oyer is leather, leather garments, or Kosnus Oyer is from the, from the goof itself, like the nails. It's Kosnus Oyer. It also says they, they were covered with Ali Ta'ena, with, uh, with leaves of the fig tree. But all of these Levushim, however you touch the Levushim, it was all a result of Eitz Hadas. Before that, it says, they were naked, they weren't ashamed. So this means that Levush is synonymous with the Chet Eitz Hadas. It's known, it's explained in Chesidus, the main idea of the Chet Eitz Hadas was it created a hergish, a feeling, a consciousness which is mixed 
it mixes two forces, toiv and ra, good and bad. They became aware of their nakedness. They suddenly experienced a new hergish, which is a mixture of toiv and And this is represented by the levush and by the garments, and therefore as a result of chetet sadas, they needed levush. And without that, they felt ashamed. Because Chetet Sadas created a new type of existence in their own minds, in their own hearts. The existence he calls here Hergish HaMa'urav B'Toivera, a consciousness that mixes Toivera. And because that is what was created by the Eight Sadas, now they need Levushim to protect themselves. Before this, they didn't need Levushim. They became aware that they were naked. Before that, they were also naked, but they weren't aware of their nakedness. In other words, their nakedness did not produce, didn't bother them, it didn't produce shame. They weren't aware of it. As a result of Eitz Hadas, which created a new type of hergish, the hergish of Taruvis, Toivera, a hergish that is mixed of Toivera, as we will explain, this by definition made them aware of their nakedness and therefore necessitated Levush. Which this is what it says in the Maim Ebasi Legani Tov Shinyud, and the Navi removes the Levush. So he explains the explanation in all of this is Kavishim Mavayir Admar Maharash. The Maimah from the Rebbe Maharash in his Hemshech Maim Rabbim, he has a Tafrich Lamed Vav. The Rebbe Maharash has a whole series of Mamonim called Maim Rabbim. It begins with the Possek and Shirashir Maim Rabbim Layuchlul Chabas Asava. It's a very famous Hemshech in Chabad, Chsidas. And Hemshech Maim Rabbim, Peter Kuf Yud Zayin. It's the first long Hemshech in Chsidas, long series of Maimarim. So in Pedic 117, the Rebbe Manash explains the following. We see something astonishing. As a result of Adam and Chava eating from the Eitzadahs, suddenly they acquired new wisdom. As the Pasuk says, The serpent told Chava that Hashem doesn't want you to eat from the tree because your eyes will open. You'll become like God, knowing good from evil. And the Pasuk says, after they ate, they actually began to know. Their eyes were opened. The eyes of Adam and Chava were opened. And they realized that they were naked. They realized the difference between naked and not being naked. As Rashi says, the, the, the Pasuk is speaking about Chachma, that the Nachash was right. They gained a new Yidi, a new Chachma. Shalpiza Nimtza asks the Rebbe Maharaj, according to this, that the sinner profits. The fact that a person knows good from evil is a good thing. It's not a bad thing. Right? You say, this person knows Toiv and knows Ra. That's a very good thing. When a person doesn't know Toiv and Ra, it's quite dangerous. What's the difference between a cotton and a gadol, between a baby and an adult? Well, an adult you can hold responsible. You say, why? A cotton love bardeyanin. He's not a bardas, the Gemara says. doesn't have das. What's right? doesn't have das. He doesn't have the maturity, the perceptiveness, the wisdom, the knowledge, enough information to be able to distinguish between the moral and the immoral, the right, wrong, constructive, destructive, beneficial, harmful. 
So we say that as a result of the Eitz Hadas, what happened? Suddenly their eyes opened up and they became aware. And they're like God. They know Toiv, they know Ra. So basically it was a good thing. The explanation in this says that Rebbe Marash, doesn't mean that before that Adam and Chava totally didn't have Chachma. Right? They were like uh, machines, robots. Because if that's the case, how can Hashem tell him not to do something? The fact that he tells him not to eat from the tree means that Adam and Chava have the ability to be able to listen and they have the choice to be able to obey or disobey. So they have a certain type of perceptiveness. This is right, this is wrong. If not, there's no point in giving them a mitzvah. You don't give a mitzvah to a computer. You don't give a mitzvah to a tree. You don't give a mitzvah even to an animal. Right? Basically, it's pre-programmed. And it just follows a script. So there had to be a chachma. Somebody who's not, who doesn't have chachma, doesn't have wisdom, you can't expect from him to become a person who fulfills prohibitions. When Adam and Chava were created, Adam had what's called Shleimus HaChachma, which means a perfected form of wisdom. Meaning, he understood, he possessed, he professed the divine knowledge in Muskalos, Meaning, perceiving everything al piseichel and understanding the divine perspective of that particular item or being or, or element or creature. Chachmas alakus. Ve'ilu yidiyas hamafur samois. But knowing that which is sensational, which is mafursam versus muskalas. Hainu yidiyas toivira. The knowledge, if it's good, if it's tasteful, or not tasteful, and all things connected with physical sensations and experiences and thus physical cravings, this Adam had no inkling of it. He didn't even, not only didn't have it, he didn't even understand it. That's there was no shame. He wasn't shaykh to this whole sensation of shame. Because shame comes from Taivas Gashmias, and therefore this shame, the whole sensation wasn't there, so there was no shame. It was in complete equality. Yes, clothes, no clothes, it's the same thing. Because his comprehension, his perception of everything, including his own body. And the entire world was basically a divine perception, which is the true chachma, the true way of experiencing things. The chait created a fall, and a filah, now suddenly becomes aware of sensations, rather than aware of truth. This is pshat, he knows toivirna. What feels good versus what doesn't feel good. Which essentially, this is a cloak. Which blocks and eclipses the Chachmelikis. So now, since you're dealing with the world 
of levushim, you have to put on levushim. Vayas kosnes oivayel bishem lechases esenyanim delomaza. Because now you have to cover up your body, which has an element of lomaza, not holiness. Kivin shalulei zois yihayin deviz boishashur sheyisidim adet achayashur. Because without this, you're ashamed that your body may remove you from the right path. Because now your body is a cover up. Your body became a lavush, so therefore you need a lavush to cover up the lavush. Because the cover-up now can distract you from the truth, so therefore you need a lavush on the cover-up. Valpizem moving, so from this we understand, So what is the idea of prophecy? Prophecy is that the person perceives the divine reality. So this is a situation where you must remove his clothes. Doesn't mean you remove your clothes, you become a Navi. Removing your clothes means that you reach a state where you don't need the garments. If you need the garments and you just remove your clothes, then the fine. This is the, the, the Sanishnavua. It's You understand? That's what he teaches. The Navi takes it off because he's in the same state of Adam before the Chet, so there's no need for Levushim. That's why he takes off his Levushim. What's the Nekudah here? Very, very deep Indian. What's the difference between Yediyah Samafursamais and Yediyah Samuskalas? The Rambam in Moir Nevuchim, Chelek Aleph, right in the beginning, Perek Beis, discusses this at length. The Rambam asks this question that the Rebbe Maharash elaborates upon. That the Chet Tzadah seems to be a wonderful thing. We always say, what's the function of a parent? To teach your children wisdom. To teach them right from wrong. Right? That's the function of good education. Teach them right from wrong. That's exactly what Adam and Chava learned. Toiv and Ra. It doesn't say that they learned that Toiv is Ra and Ra is Toiv. No. That's a wonderful, wonderful experience. It's a mix of... Oh, so, so what's, what's the Havana here? What's the Havana? That's the beginning. Then he asked the question. Then he says, there's Yediyah Samuf Skolos, Yediyah Samuf Fursamis. That's the expression. Or in other words, what he calls Chachmah Kis is one type of Yediyah. And then there's Chushim Gashmim. Yediyah Samuf Fursamis. Chushim Gashmim. Taivas Gashmim. Koiches Gashmim. Yediyah Toivara. Hergish Amorav Betoivara. What does this mean? So the Kits and Nimrits... There's a big ariches in this, but I just want to bring out one akuda. Before Eitz Hadas, and I'm going to try to say it in simple Oisius, even though there's a lot of madregas in this Hasbara, but, uh, but I want to bring out one akuda and try it in simple Oisius. Before the, before the Eitz Hadas, there was no, um, there were no words in the human vocabulary, Toivinra. There were only two words, Emes and Shekhar. Is it true or is it not true? Good or bad didn't exist. What's the difference? Good is true, bad is false. I said, I'm Mr. Shek. We're in Cincinnati. He's in Cincinnati. What's the difference? What's the difference? Is it stam semantics? <laughs> Happy birthday. Thank you very much. Is it stam semantics? This is called loyal. 
Stam semantics that MS and Sheker, yeah, Toiv and Rana. Put yourself on mute. Tell them, Nechani, put yourself on mute. It's not stump semantics. We're dealing with a profound idea. Okay, let me give a simple example. Uh, you'll say, was the meal good? No, the meal was lousy. Okay. Was the speech good? No, the speech was lousy. Is the business good? No, the business is bad. What do we mean by all these things? What makes a meal good? Delicious, right? It looks good. Good design. Colorful diversity. Gourmet. Nutritious. Oh, really? (laughs) Maybe also nutritious for some people. But good doesn't only mean if it was healthy for your life. Because... If there was only lettuce and cucumbers and some soy uh, beans, they wouldn't say it's good. Good means appealing, appealing to the taste buds, appealing to the eyes, appealing to the abdomen, even though it may have been filled with poisonous substances. But it was good, you say. Was, was the speech good? What does it mean? It may be that every word that came out of his mouth was a lie, was shtusim havalim, but it was good, it was geschmack. It was geschmack, it wasn't boring. What makes it appealing? Entertaining, engaging. What if there was no truth to it? Okay, that may be one of the issues, one of the issues. You'll say, did you have a, a, a good day, a, a tasteful day, a delightful day? What that often means is, not if you had a true day, if you had an entertaining day, if you had a fun day, etc. Before the Eitz Adas, that didn't exist in the human vocabulary. There was only one question. Is it MS or is it Czech? In other words, is it a reflection of a Lakus or is it not a reflection of a Lakus? No, huh? It's a few minutes. Yeah, so Fun, but that was the concept. Yeah. The concept. Is that what the pastor that was his dad? And... You mean before the Tzadas? No. Well, he emphasized a lot the Indian of Emes. But, but that was the only vocabulary. There was only one question. Is it Emes or is it Sheker? Is it truthful or is it untruthful? That was the only parameter of reality. Don't tell me about anything else. Today, there's a lot of other questions. Emerson and Shekhar may be one question, usually at the end, at the end of the questionnaire, if, if, if yes. The question is, a lot of other things. The question is, how does it feel? What type of sensation does it create? This is a chiddush of the Eitz Hadas. Toi versus Emes v'Shekhar. Yediyas ha-mefursamais versus Yediyas ha-moskalas. You're not looking... For the emes of the Indian. You're looking for the sensation of the Indian. Ask yourself, how many things in the day are you attracted to or are you repulsed from, not because the Indian is emes, but because the Indian feels good. It may not be emes. It may be damaging. It may be destructive. It may be worthless. It may be meaningless. It may be bad. 
It may be immoral. Huh? Most of the time, what? Right, right. So before they turned out, it's not that they had a struggle. There was no, in the vocabulary, there was nothing else. If something that wasn't a token of MS, it, it was, there was nothing to discuss. It wasn't Ayla Shulchem Allah Bechlam. What? Before this, either it's true or false. That's it. So that's the seichel. After the comes the sensation. Sensation. The hergish, hergish. But then how do you explain that the whole reason why they ate the food was because of the halitayla? So where did it come to halitayla from? That is a sensation also. They wanted to have a taiva, that's pshat. And why do they eat? Why do they eat? They had no... The Sahara was there, the nachash, which had a separate voice. And explain to Adam and Chava that this is that this will ultimately give their lives a whole new type of meaning that they're not capable of having. It goes so deep that in the Chassidus there's a Lashem from the Tzamech Tzedek and the Rebbe Maharash. Is there a Bereshit there? It goes so deep That when it says that the Nachash told Chava to eat from the tree, right? She saw that it's good for food. It's not true, but it's good. It's appealing. So there's a word in Chsidus, in Chabad Chsidus, that what Adam and Chava were looking for was, they were looking for the experience of Avas Hashem, the feeling of loving God. <laughs> what we call a mitzvah is called here a sin, meaning they didn't love God. They, they were one with God. They didn't love God. <laughs> they wanted the experience of Hashem instead of Hashem. They wanted to experience it instead of have it. Experiencing something means you're already distant from it. Whatever you experience as a conscious experience is not one with you. Let's give a muscle in a person's body. When you are completely healthy, completely, and not just healthy, fit, um, uh, athletic your flow of adrenaline is, is impeccable you're not lethargic you're not heavy you're not lazy right you're completely healthy and, and fit not just healthy but fit do you feel your body or you don't feel your body when you f- start feeling your body what does it mean it's a problem. If I'm feeling my pinky, what does it mean? It means there's a cut. If I'm feeling my head, what does it mean? I'm having a migraine, right? If I'm feeling my body, even the heaviness of it, the COVID, what does it mean? It means I'm tired, I'm exhausted, I'm, I'm obese, I'm fat, I'm, I'm having issues, whatever. I don't have to explain it to all you well-fed young men. <laughs> right? 
when you're in a state of alacrity, of swiftness, like the Tanya describes at the beginning of Perik Kavov, that victory, it's interesting, Al-Tureb and Perik Kavov gives a marshal for martial arts, that victory is not reserved for the person who's stronger, victory is reserved for the person who's swifter. There's more zrizus, more alacrity, you're more alive, you don't feel anything. When a person is in perfect shape, right, they don't feel their body, the body is like in thin air, it's like, it's, it's, it's sensationless. L'chayda, you would think, the more healthy, the more you feel it. The more hergish. It's the opposite. The more hergish, the less healthy. Why? The answer is because a healthy body means a body that's completely one with the soul. A body that's completely one with the energy. The body is simply a channel for the energy. And therefore the body has no independent identity that generates its own sensation. The body is simply a reflection. It's a flow, a seamless flow of the nefesh, of the neshama. And the moment there is a distinction between the two, which means the life force is not fully enclosed and manifested in the body, suddenly the body becomes a balhergish. The body feels itself because it's detached. The less feeling, the healthier. The more feeling, the less healthier. Yid once asked the Rebbe, V filters it. In Yiddish, we filled in English, you say, How are you feeling? In Yiddish, you say, We filled ihr sich, which literally translated means, How are you feeling yourself? So the Rebbe responded, As me filled sich is shenish gut. We filled ihr sich, how are you feeling? If you feel, if one feels oneself, it's already not in a good state. And he said, The Shver, my father in law, said that a healthy body you don't feel. This is true physically, we all understand this. A healthy person can feel pleasure. Yeah, of course you feel pleasure. But you don't feel the body as a separate entity and each limb stands out. When you start feeling limbs standing out, it's because there's either some pain or some infection or some illness, chas v'shalom, or some issue. Inflation, whatever. And the same is true even if there's no disease. But when a person is very obese or very heavy, they just feel their body's you know, weight. It's not weightless, it's, it's weight. The same is true psychologically and emotionally, spiritually. A healthy person is somebody who doesn't feel themselves. They don't have the burden of self-consciousness. They don't have the burden of trying to figure out who they are, where they are, why they are, when they are. Why? Because their self is one with life. When the self is not one with life, so then suddenly everything is a hergish. I'm here, I'm there, I'm, I'm always feeling myself and we're, I'm, pl- I'm trying to place myself in the right position because I'm not one with life. I'm not one with myself and therefore I can't experience life in a seamless flow. So there's an element of self-consciousness. Spiritually, Adam and Chava were one with God. They didn't feel God. They were one with God. There was no hergish. The hergish, I love you, is already I am detached from you and I'm loving you. When I'm completely one, there's no I love. There's no sensation of consciousness because there's complete merging. So for us, a hergish of Abbas Hashem is a gewaldic madrege. This was Chetet Sadas. Chetet Sadas was, they wanted hergish. They wanted, the, the Nachar said, you can't experience God. You have to have a geshmak in alakos. <laughs> but a geshmak is already not oneness. Of course, it's much higher than not a geshmak. And from that begins the beginning of Yesh. The beginning of Yesh doesn't begin a low life. It begins in Ruchnis. It begins in the Hergish. The Hergish. And then it goes on lower levels. Now there's Chetet Sadas in a very high level. There's Chetet Sadas in a lower level. 
What's Hergesh HaMu'urav B'Toivira on the next level? Hergesh HaMu'urav B'Toivira means exactly that. This consciousness that relates to Toiv, but it also relates to Ra. What does it mean it relates to Toiv and it relates to Ra? It means that the person is not immune anymore of Sheker. Now there's a new parameter in a person's life. The Hergesh has Toiv, the Hergesh has Ra in it. And so it evolves in different states of consciousness. But the Nikud of the Chet Tzadas everywhere is that that distinction that existed before the Eight Tzadas doesn't exist post Eight Tzadas anymore. Post Eight Tzadas, it's another Rishima on the list. Before the, you'll ask them, is it a good book? Is it a good book? Yeah, it's a great book. What does it mean, good book? Good book doesn't necessarily mean MS, entertaining, dramatic, great plot. Is it a good film? Is it a good play? Is it a good meal? Is it a good business? doesn't necessarily mean it's a business that's Megala Lakus in the world. It means it's making money. It's a good house, right? Etc. This doesn't mean we can have that on the list too. Part of it being a good business, part of it being a good meal is, is X, Y, Z. But there's many other definitions to value in this world. We all know it. Is it a good car? Right? Is it a good hotel? Is it a good resort? Is it a good body? Etc. Is it a good place to go to? What, what, what's the definition of good and bad? Not necessarily MS and Shekhar. The definition of good and bad means it feels good, it looks good, people like it. It's relative. Huh? It's, relative. it's completely relative. Relative to what? Relative to what? People's sensations based on their upbringing, based on their value system. Based on what feels, what t- taste buds. The chachmel, the kiss of things, is not here. Even though it may be on the Rishima. Right. So therefore, what happens now? So basically, the world is now covered over in Levushim. When we look at something, what we're impressed by is the packaging, not the substance. We don't care for the substance. So I may go over to a piece of food. The substance of the food is poisonous for me. It's toxic. But the food looks good. Like on that board over there. So if I'm looking for MS, what's MS about this food? There's nothing MS. The whole thing from beginning to end is a lie. What do they say? Everything that says in a newspaper is a lie. Even the date. It was printed yesterday. <laughs> Everything about it is a lie. But it looks good. It tastes good. So it becomes good. That's the definition. And the same is true in endless areas of life. That's what happened as a result of the Eitzadas. It's a different parameter of existence. So that's why the world is now basically covered over in Olavush. It doesn't, it's not what it is. So now you're naked. So what happens when you have a naked body? A little child, we spoke about this in the beginning, a little child runs around, your little baby runs around, one year old, two years old, without clothes, Friday night, nobody blinks. Your 14 year old will run around that way, or you will run around that way. Why? You were also once one. The answer is because you're not one, unfortunately, anymore. You're 14. What's the difference? What's wrong with a naked body? Who created a naked body? What's wrong? You look at the one-year-old's naked body. It's cute. It's charming. It's adorable, maybe. Nobody blinks. I mean, it's good to have a pamper, but it's not the end of the world. An adult, we all understand, it's hepachatznius, it's, it's etc. What's the difference? Before the Eitz Adas, the question was Emes and Shekhar. What's a body? 
a body's relationship to the soul is like the relationship between a light bulb and the light. The light bulb, its metzius is a reflection of the light. You looked at the body and you saw the soul. Or in practical words, every limb of the body was another opportunity to serve Hashem. So just like you put on tefillin with your arm, there's nothing to be embarrassed of using your arm for tefillin. No one says, oh yeah, I'm wearing tefillin, let me go into hiding. What's Adinabba. So other parts of the body were used for other mitzvahs. This is the Shalom writes this. He says the part that, would, that, would, that they were embarrassed about, what was it used? It was used for period of Adivia. It was used for bringing children to the world. So what's the shame? The shame that is happened because they ate because we don't see it anymore exclusively in terms of godliness. We now see it in terms of human cravings, human gluttony, hedonism, or morality, promiscuity. We, see, we, we associate other things with certain limbs of the body. Why do we associate other things with certain limbs of the body? Because there's other definitions in life. There's taivara. Does it feel good? Does it not feel good? And we know that sometimes things feel good at the moment, even though they're not true. What do I mean they're not true? They don't have a truth to them. They're not, they don't have real substance. They don't have real value. They don't have real purpose. They don't have real longevity. But it feels good, just like that piece of food. For seven seconds, it goes into my mouth. It feels very geschmack. Afterwards, it may ruin my system, but who cares? The same is true with relationships. We all know in life, we don't. Definition of a good relationship doesn't only mean if it's MS. Definition of a good relationship means if it's fun, if it's exciting, if it's interesting, if it's engaging. And an interesting and exciting could mean maybe for ten minutes, for forty minutes, even though afterwards it could be a disaster. A person sometimes surrenders to a taiva. It felt very good for 25 minutes or for 6 minutes or for 30 seconds. And then as a result of that, they destroy their family. So how MS was it? How, how truthful was it? How much did it bring them closer to truth? How much, how, much, how, much purpose, how much purposefulness was there? How much MS Hashem La'ilam was there? Nothing, nothing. But it felt good. Before the Eitzadas, this didn't exist. What... Adam and Chava were enticed to do was, yeah, you're asking, how did they have that taiva? By them it wasn't. In other words, Vatera Isha, they were explained that there is a great value in living life from this level. You know why? Because on this level, life is very exciting. Because <laughs> you don't know what hit you, you don't know who you are. So the first question Hashem asks is, Ayeka, who are you? Before the Eitzhah does, there was no question, Ayeka. You know, a cat never wakes up in the morning saying, you know, maybe I should go to therapy. Some cats do. Some dogs do in California and New York. Right? People wake up every morning, who am I? What am I? Who am I? Who am I not? Why am I this? Why am I yeah? And not everybody, but lots of people. That's an Eitzhadah's result. Because I'm confused. You know why? Because we were now dressed up in garments. I don't mean Adam and Chava's garments. The Eitz Adas created a Levush. So I look at myself, I don't know what I'm seeing. Do I see my sweater or do I see me? And I'm not sure who I see. And each one competes for the me. So there's two me's, there's two eyes. So who am I? Am I you? You know, there was once a Yid. An old Mechela Maisa, there was a Yid who came to the Rav of Chalam and he said that he goes to the Mikveh and he gets lost. Because he always identifies himself through his garments. But in the mikveh, he's not wearing any levushim, so he doesn't know who he is. So the Rav told him that when he goes to, before he goes to the mikveh, he should, he should tie a red string over his toe. 
And when he comes out of the mikvah, he should just look for the red string, and then he'll know who he is. So that's what he did. But in the mikvah, it was a packed day in the mikvah, and by mistake, the red string fell off his toe, and it went onto somebody else's toe. <laughs> so now he comes out of the mikvah, and he's looking for himself, because he has to get dressed, and he can't find himself. So he starts searching everywhere for the red string, and he goes here and here and here, and then suddenly he spots it. So he walks over to the person who's wearing the red string, and he says, I know who you are, but do you know who I am? You know, and that's the story of life, right? So how do I identify myself? By the lavush or by the me? And the lavush is not the sweater. The sweater is easy to realize it's a sweater. The lavush is the personality, which is eclipsing a deeper personality, and we have the split personality. And that's the story of the Eitzadah. So, so the Eitzadah created Levushim. And because it created Levushim, now you can't just say, let's become naked and go back to pre Because now a naked body is not the same naked body like pre You'll be deluded, you'll be fooling yourself. The one-year-old is like before Eitzadah. The 14-year-old has already tasted from the tree of knowledge. He sees the world in different ways. We can't deny that we experience the world from a place of Toivira, not Emerson and Shekhan. We have to work through it. We have to work with it. And part of working with it is you have to create boundaries and you have to create Levushim on the Levushim. One of the practical ramifications of this is a very profound idea. Often when I speak about Sneas, so I ask people, how do you translate the word Sneas? So most people say tznius come. What does the word tznius mean? Literally, huh? Modesty, right? From the word tsanua, private, hidden. hidden, concealed, right? And that's what we say: dress tznius, speak tznius, be tznius. In other words, cover, conceal. We learn in this, and people, some people don't take well to it because they want gilui. They don't want. Uh, they don't want cover-ups. They want gilu, especially, I mean, in this weather, you don't have to argue with people. But um, seven below zero tonight, Baruch Hashem. Probably going to feel like 25 below zero with the winds, no? But uh, soon, uh, soon uh, Pesach comes, spring comes, so you want gilu, not sneers. The emiss is that based on what he says in this Maimir, there's something much deeper going on. The real translation, explanation of tznius is not covering. It's actually revealing. By keeping the body exposed, you cover it up. You cover yourself up. And by covering it, you reveal yourself. You understand why? If the body was true to what the body really is. What is the body? The body is not evil. The body is not impure. To the contrary. The body is a Bria of Hashem that's completely one with the soul. And every limb of the body is an expression of the Neshama. Just like physically, a healthy body is a body that's completely one with this inner energy. A goof and a Neshama are completely one, like the relation between the light bulb and the, and the bulb and the light. And when you look at the light bulb, you don't see a light bulb outside of the light. You see light, right? The light bulb, look up. Its home at sea is, becomes a keli, a channel, a vehicle for shining light, for the light of the, for the glow of the light. If that's what you see on the body, why should you get dressed? There's no point. I'm not embarrassed with my pinky. And I'm not embarrassed when I put on tefillin on my arm. 
and I'm not embarrassed when I'm holding a quarter in my, in my fingers to give it to Tzedakah. I'm not embarrassed. So why should I be embarrassed with any part of my body? However, when the result of the Eitzadas, which created spiritual levushim, what do we mean spiritual levushim? That now the body sees itself as separate from the soul. In other words, there's something that covers up the body, like a hidden garment, that when I look at the body, I'm not seeing the body for what it really is. I'm seeing the body from another perspective. I'm seeing the body, not from a perspective of emes and sheket, but from a perspective of toiverah. So if I actually leave the body exposed the way it is, what happens is, I'm actually allowing myself to conceal the true identity of the body. Because the naked body as is, deceives one from its true purpose, from its true identity. And therefore by wearing the proper levusham on the body, I'm making a statement. And the statement is that the body is more than a body. And this is very practical in people's lives. Because... When you think about it, sometimes people think that the value of their personality or the value of their identity will be enhanced or perhaps created by the fact that people will be impressed by certain parts of their body. And when therefore they want to show off those parts of their body to themselves and to others, because that in their mind will generate value for them. It will give them attention, it will have them stand out, it will mean they're significant, perhaps to themselves, and then also to other people. It starts with yourself always. But shame, shame to a generation that thinks that the only way you could stand out is through exposing a certain part of your body. In other words, that your personality, your inner primius, your character, your soul is so impoverished that the only way you can get validation and attention in this world is through a certain part of your flesh. Really? Are you ready to reduce yourself? Now this doesn't mean that your flesh is bad. What it means is, don't tell me that that's your whole identity and that's your whole value and that's your whole chashivus and that's your whole beauty. Your beauty is your whole mitzis, your nefesh with your guf. Your guf is an expression of your nefesh. And when the guf itself becomes your sole value, it's pathetic and it's, it's a disgrace for your body. It's a disgrace for you. It's the greatest embarrassment. You really feel there's no other way that you can generate interest within your, for, for, and attract attention towards yourself. You have absolutely zero in your premiums. That's called self-esteem. That's called freedom. You, you, you get my point? It's pathetic. It's pathetic. What about your whole inner self? Your whole... Your soul, your character. And the goof is an expression of that. So what's really tzniyas? Tzniyas means putting the body in context. Tzniyas doesn't mean covering the body. You shouldn't see anything ever. You know, there's a Muslim form of tzniyas. You don't see anything but two eyes. That's not what tzniyas is. Tzniyas is that the body is dressed in a way that it makes a statement. And the statement is, I am an expression of something larger, of an assault. There's a totality to me. There's ruchnius and there's gashmius. There's nefesh and there's guf. There's heaven and there's earth. There's inner and there's outer. That's what it is. And if you say, no, I want everything revealed, by revealing everything, what are you doing? You're creating the greatest concealment. Because the body, after the etzadas, on its own, gives the impression that it's just a shtickle flesh. 
And it can appeal to people that way. And we see Bamukhish people get very obsessed with that. And that becomes the story of the person. That becomes their value. And by the way, not to get off subject too much, this is one of the most important roles of fathers with daughters. One of the most important contributions of fathers to daughters in today's world is that fathers give their daughters a certain sense of unshakable confidence that a father could give in a special way. I mean, a mother, of course, gives it in her way, but something that a father gives as a man. That the girl should never ever think that in order to get validation in life or to get attention in life or to get love in life or to get affection in life, she has to cheapen herself, cheapen her identity, cheapen her body to be able to impress herself and therefore to impress other people in school, in the street, at work, etc., but this doesn't come from screaming or from musr or from, or from just making statements. It comes from creating an inner sense of a person celebrating their pnimius and their chitzonius as part of their pnimius. And when a person doesn't have that, if we just say, just expose your body and it's all revealed, it's not all revealed because after the Eitzadahs, the body on its own lies. It has a lavush. What does it mean it has a lavush? It's dressed up. Nakedness today is not nakedness. It's a cover-up. That's what it is. You understand? It says something else. You're typhus what I'm saying? or huh? You're typhus, yeah? So, so, so covering it actually is exposing it. Oh, so that's the word. When somebody is in touch with that state of nevuah... What's Pshat HaStan in the Nevoah? That they are in a state where the divine reality is flowing through them. <laughs> then it, was, it wasn't the Pshat Avoid and now, Kan Tzorich Lifshet HaSabgad. It wasn't a Pshat Avoid. So, B'derech Memeila. B'derech Memeila. They often removed their clothes because they didn't have a Tfisus Mokim. You understand? Somebody will start taking off. Uh, there was a Yid. There was a, I don't know, a Yid. A guy a few years ago. You remember? in Texas. Uh, he said he's in the Paradise Garden of Eden. He took off his clothes and he attracted lots of people. They all came to see him in Gan Eden. Problem is, we can't create Gan Eden before it's us. We have to work through the Levushim. You have to work through the Levushim. You have to work through the Taiver. Now, the Navi was in a state they could take off his Levushim because he could take off his Levushim. Because he was before Chet Tzadaz, therefore they took off the Levusha. They went to a statement that he's before For that moment, not forever. For the moment of Nevoah. And as a result of that, there was an, and this is the connection to Bittl, Shtuz Diktusha, because it wasn't only the Levushim, the Levushim is a symptom. The physical Levushim is a symptom that all the Levushim of the world that are blocking the Shtuz Diktusha, the Bittl, Shalomayla, Metam Vedas were removed. No, it's not when the Prophet speaks to the people. Then they were dressed. He was talking about the moments of prophecy. Moments of prophecy happened in isolation, his Baidadus. Remember, there were thousands of prophets. We only Most have 48 prophets. Huh? Most of the time. Sometime, yeah. A Navi doesn't happen, doesn't happen constantly. The special moments of what happens. Besides Moshe Rabbeinu, every Navi, there were times, times, yeah, times, not. I mean, the Rambam goes through the whole Cheshbon and Nilchas Yatera. A Sivav. Yeah, in other words, after the Eitzadas, the Avoid is to work through the Levushim, not to just go back to that space. We can go back to that space. One has to 
cover the body in order to be Megala and work through the body that it, to work on it, it should become a vehicle for the Neshama. The Rebbe once said a Vart, it's a very stark Vart. I mean, it needs Hasbara still, but I'm going to say the Vart. He said it once, Shabbos B'Shalach, I think Tavshin Lamed Dalet. I think one of those years, the Lameds. It says that Moshe said Shira with all the men and Miriam said Shira with all the women. So Mefarshim asked, what happened with Kol Be'isha Erva? If they were singing, <coughs> the Gemara says, Kol Isha, <coughs> it's not, <coughs> it's a modest. That could be Fumat and Teda. But it was right before Mandera. They were after Mitzvah. The Koyla Venisha has a lot of uh, sensual and intimate power. We know that. Her coil is not an Inyechitzayni. Her coil expresses her dignity, her Pneumius. And it can't just be squandered. It has to be preserved, protected. For herself, not only for others. So Pstavka by the Shira... You had Miriam with a million women, or maybe two million women, or a million of women singing. So the Ragachava writes in Safnos Panech that it says that Miriam took the women, and Miriam took tupimumachailus, right? They had tambourines and drums. She so says when you have a million women drumming, so the drums eclipse the voice. That's what the Ragachava writes. Still, the Pashtus, when you have so many women singing, there was, it was heard the Kalbish. Where did Moshe go? Where did all the men go? They, they ran back to Mitzrayim. They were all there. They were all there. So the Rebbe said a very powerful word. He said that in the Shira, they said, So Rashi says, What's Zekeli A maid. Saw at the sea what the Navi Yecheskel didn't see. To the point that every maid could point and say, Zekeli, this is my God. There was such a perception of Hashem of godliness higher than the Neviim. So he says, if that was the case, so then Kolbe Isha'erva was not an issue. What's the problem of Kolbe Isha'erva? It's all a result of the Eitz Hadas, it's all a result of Levusha. The voice is covering up. The woman's voice that she's singing in front of men is not her voice. It's a cover-up. In other words, the way the man is grasping the voice is not the real pure... The voice is really her soul. What he may be experiencing in the voice are other experiences, as everybody knows, based on the Eitzadas, based on the fact that we have cover-ups. Huh? Based on the fact that we have cover-ups. And because we have cover-ups... So therefore, we're also not relating to our own Pneumius. So my Chitzonius is relating to your Chitzonius. So therefore, you have to protect it. But if they saw what Yecheskel Anavi didn't see, and we hear what the Nevu is, so then there was no, there was no Chshash. That, that's what he touched. To the Santa, huh? that's where they could sing. But uh, according to this understanding of Tovarad, the way you explain it, yeah. Right, so it's not like we usually say toiv ra, toiv is mitzvahs and ra's avedis, like in Tanya. He's not talking about toiv ra, his versus emes v'sheker. Emes v'sheker means the truth of every union, and toiv ra means how it feels, how it looks, how it's displayed, how it's presented.
Good doesn't necessarily mean moral in our vocabulary. Good doesn't necessarily mean true. Good doesn't even necessarily mean godly. Good doesn't necessarily mean holy. It could mean that too, but it doesn't necessarily mean that. It could mean a lot of other things. Sometimes neutral and sometimes opposite. Where, where was the shaker before yeah, in other words, the, there was a concept. Either it's emes or it's not. It's sheker, and it was something called klipas sitracher, but it was a separate entity called klipa and sitracher. It wasn't mixed into everything. Now it's muuruv. The heritage is muuruv tevur. That's mixed. When everything is mixed. What does it mean? Is this true? The storm, the storm yeah. that one would get. One might be, you know, good and bad and, and racist. It means moral or not moral. The Rambam says in Meir Nevuchim, Yoidei Toivera is Yidiyas for Summers versus Yidiyas Hamuskalos. It's sensational rather than <coughs> authentic. Appeal versus substance. Sensational doesn't mean, you know, wow. No, no, no. Sensational, I mean, as sensate, sense, what you feel. Maybe there's another word for it. Sivav. Omam Sheikh Ba Maimer, he continues in the Maimer. Shetach lisavaydehi lishapcha chashech lenahele da chashech atzmeyoy. After he explains the union of Nevoah, he says that this is the concept of shtus. And the objective is to transform darkness into light. That the darkness itself should glow. That a person should take the shtus of unholiness, the insanity of unholiness, and transform it. That itself should become insanity, but insanity of holiness. And that's why the Mishkan is from Atzishitim. What the Maimir is saying is, don't think that you should nullify the shtus of klippa. By kfifa, kfifa means by, by forcing it or subduing it. As he's going to explain, kfifa means you, you literally you bend it. In other words, you subdue it, you crush it. No. What rather you want is bitla to be nullified. And what, what does it really mean, nullified? Not just it disappears. That the chayshach atzma the darkness should glow. That's what the Maimer says in Basilagani Tavashin Yud. And now the Rebbe is going to explain what, what these words mean. This is an incredible shtickle here. The basic war. We have with Lu'umaza, with the other side, has different states, different different patterns, different states. The beginning of Avaida is always in a state of Askafia, meaning the beginning of a person's Aved is what we call a skafia, meaning he is, he does, he is successful in the sense that his toiv becomes powerful 
and the Ra becomes subdued, and the behavior is controlled by the Toif, but the Ra doesn't disappear, it remains in its state, it just doesn't have control over the person's active thoughts, words, or actions. Or, or, or actions. In general terms, it's what the Tanya describes as the Bainani, meaning the person who struggles. There's two voices, there's two instincts, but you have enough awareness to exercise self-control, and therefore when it comes to behavior, what you do and what you say and what you think about actively, your toif prevails. But it doesn't mean the ra is not there, it doesn't mean it doesn't have a voice, it doesn't mean it doesn't hakarain emotions and thoughts. It just means your awareness of what's right and what's wrong and who you really are and who you really not is so potent, it's so powerful that it gives you the freedom to be able to exercise complete self-control and say, okay, bruchim haboyim, my little devil, thank you, I hear what you have to say, but you know what, I'm pretty busy now and I can't allow you to take over my life. He might come back five minutes later, he might come back ten seconds later, he might come back three hours later, he might come back a day later. But he didn't disappear, he just you know, he takes a little nap, takes a little break. It's like a dog that barks. You know, barks, 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 and shh, right? You ever saw? You ever had a dog? Huh? You want one? <laughs> you come in, right, to somebody's house, the dog starts barking and screaming, the boss says, sha, 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 sha. So they're quiet for four seconds, and then they start barking again. Sha, 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 sha. They start barking again. You pick them up, you put them in another room. They bark again. It's I mean, That's how it goes. So you're not going to change it. You're not going to transform it. But the question is, who's the boss in the house? Is it you or is it the dog? The dog is not... The dog, the dog can actually become very refined. The dog can be very cute. The dog uh, can actually, uh, to a point, become so loyal... You know, it says in Kabbalah, Kelev is Kulei Lev. Kulei Lev, right? It's very emotional. What do they call it? Man's best friend. Kulei Lev. But the point is... Is that what you to get a dog? I'll think about that. <laughs> so what's the point? The point is that there's a person, he has a da, he has toiv. But the distinction is very clear. And because the distinction is so clear... So therefore, he doesn't let the Ra have a shlita. The greatest problem is, what's the problem with, with this idea of the Bain? The problem is, not so much doing it. The problem is that we don't realize that the Ra is Ra. The Bain, he never has that issue. He's so aware of what's good and what's bad, that it never becomes a question. So therefore, when the bad emerges in his life, he shuts it up. That's it. He doesn't destroy it, he shuts it up. He says, okay, I hear you. Now it's time to move on. He doesn't actively engage in thought, words, or actions. That's state one. There's a hiring. You have something deeper called this hapcha. Iskafya is subjugation. Ishapcha is transformation. Not only is there no shlita to the and the three levushim, but it remains in its full strength. But furthermore, the toiv is so powerful, it battles the ra and it makes it weaker. In other words, in its own space, the ra becomes weaker. It's not only that the ra 
doesn't have control over the person's life, but in its own space, it hasn't been touched. Stage two is where you actually made a change in your Ra. This is where a person actually, they change not only the software, but even the hardware. <laughs> you understand? Even the hardware. Certain, and you have this in life, you know, sometimes at a certain age you have terrible, terrible tithes to something, and you work with them in a deep way to the point that they become weaker. Or they're not here anymore. It doesn't mean completely in anything, but sometimes a person suffers from certain addictions or certain habits or certain intense instincts. And then through a lot of work of, of, of analysis, of, of, of bitter, of sublimation, of working it through, it actually gets weaker in its own space. It's not just it doesn't have control over me. Even in its own space, I'm not suffering from that terrible, terrible taiva, or maybe not so often, or maybe not so intense. In other words, you tackle the ra in its place. Not only do you not allow it to shoot arrows and to take over your life, but in its own space it still has its empire. But furthermore, you manage to penetrate it there and to make a change there. That's stage two. There's a deeper level in his hapcha, stage three. Not only does the ra get, so to speak, bottle, meaning the ribuy hatoiv causes it to melt away, but furthermore, the ra itself is converted it itself becomes a force of toiv, as he's going to explain now. This is a different type of ishapcha. The first ishapcha means, there's three levels. Iskafya is, you didn't manage to penetrate the inner chamber of the Ra. It is what it is. It is what it is. The only thing you did manage, which is no small fetus, you're aware of it. And because you're aware of it, and you're aware of your ability to exercise self-control, you exercise self-control. Because you know it's the Ra speaking, and you say, okay, shh. And if it comes back in an hour, it comes back in an hour. If it's silent, it's silent. But you didn't tamper with that. And sometimes it's a very strong struggle. Some people, your whole, some people have things, they have to struggle their whole life with this. For 80, 90, 100 years, every time you see something, or every time you're in a particular situation, or every single day, or, or very often when you see certain things, or when you're tired, a certain emotion will emerge, and it will threaten to drown you morally if you don't stand up and actively, consciously fight it. That's called a skafya. And it's a great thing. It's, it's the beginning of everything. Because if you don't have that, then there's no growth. If you're, such a, uh, if you're so weak that you can't subjugate the ra then you can't go anywhere else. Stage two is ashabcha. What's prat ashabcha? Ashabcha means through avoidah, through real avoidah. What does real avoidah mean? Real avoidah means understanding it, understanding its muhus, understanding what it's looking for, understanding the void, etc. You actually weaken it. You weaken it. Sometimes you'll say, you know, when I, was, when I was 25, I struggled with this terribly, and today, it's not an issue anymore. It's not an issue. It doesn't happen on the same time. When you push the other... No, 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 no. Of course, of course. In Tanya Perek of Zion, we just learned it, Alter Rebbe says, sometimes you have tithes that you have to fight with your whole life, and he says, don't get depressed. Maybe you were created for that purpose. Eskafi means bending, right? Eskafi means literally bending, but here we don't mean bending, it means subjugate. 
subdue, subdue, confront, fight, crush, Tanakh. So if you're subduing it, you're crushing it, you're, you're doing something to the raw, you're fucking the raw. No, no. It's like we're having, we're having a match. We're having a match. So I give you a punch. So you back off. It means you're dead. A minute later, you clean up the blood, you get up and you give me a punch. You ever, saw, you ever watched a boxing, boxing match? Huh? A long time ago. Okay. I watch it every day. Inside here. You understand what I'm saying? Sure, if you punch it out enough times, you'll bruise it up enough. Hopefully you'll get into a coma, but you can't rely on that. You're going to get to something else. Huh? You're going to go to the yeah. other time. Yeah, uh, mutations. <laughs> mutations. Then you have stage two, meaning you actually deal with it, you work with it, which is a tremendous thing, but you don't transform it. It doesn't become a force of toiv. You just weaken it. It disappears or partially disappears. You have sometimes, you have it even in every person's life. Sometimes a person is obsessed with something, they have a crutch on somebody or something, right? And then they get rid of it. So for six months, that's it they're thinking about. Nothing else. That's it. Yoimim Velayla, they're not, they're in Hilchas Truva, they're obsessed, they don't stop thinking about it. Somebody was in some immoral relationship, and then they have to cut it. So for six months, it's a skafia every, every second. That's it they want to think about. But after that, they sober up, they become normal. Three years later, they forgot they ever had it. It's not an issue anymore. So they, they did something. They, 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 I'm just speaking on a simple level. Then you have, but, but it wasn't converted, it wasn't transformed. Then you have a third level, a deeper level of ishabcha, where it becomes converted into taif, as he's going to explain. For inyan oh, I'm sorry, beer, beer, the line starts shahara. Beer, let's explain these two inyan. The last two Avedas. You have somebody that because of his state, which is not that the best, so he has a tremendous passion, an alien fire towards things that are unholy and not good, immoral. Toikif Achmimus means a very deep passion, warmth. The age Zara, an alien fire, not a holy fire, which takes him to Taivas Dilomas, like cravings, addictions, inclinations that are unholy. In the level of Iskafi, he still feels the full passion and intensity. An addiction in its full blowing power and momentum. It simply doesn't rule over his behavior, thought, speech, and action. And when he says machshava, it doesn't mean he doesn't think about it. If you're having a strong taiva, you think about it. Machshava has two components There's in, there are instinctive thoughts and there are conscious thoughts. When you say he doesn't have shlit over machshava, it has slitter to give you instinctive thoughts, but not conscious thoughts. For example, if I'm walking in the street and I see a particular image, right? That image may implant a craving in my heart and therefore a thought in my mind. And of course, every craving is really a thought in the mind. The brain is in control of everything, right? That I'm not in control of. I'm not a tzaddik. I have a Yitzhahara. 
The question is, what do I do with it? Do I say, okay, it's time to move on, you know? <laughs> or I say, hmm, let me go there. And you go there. That's, that's the mistake. The mistake is not that you saw something. The mistake is you walked further and you turned around. Who asked you to turn around? <laughs> you saw, okay, now walk. No, he turns around. That makes a big difference. So that's what he says. The taiv is there, but he's no shlit. He simply has that mechanism. He just knows how to reject it right away. Boom. So it's not just turning around. Turning around is you know, thing. it's like your telephone ringing, your iPhone ringing. Accept or decline. You can't control that your phone should not ring. You're not a tzaddik who keeps his iPhone on off. For 90 years. You keep your iPhone on. Got it. And the iPhone gets signals from all over the world. And it rings. But who said you have to accept? Take a look at the number. Take a look at the number. If it's Dudi calling, you accept. If it's somebody else calling, you decline. And you don't have to send a text message either. You decline. You understand the word? It rings. It rings. But you decide what to do with it. Am I going to accept it? And therefore I start a conversation and I engage it. It may be a minute conversation, but it's a conversation. Or I just decline. You can decline, yeah? That's step one. Ah, depends. is different. When you get stronger and you avoid, then you have to hurt of it. You toil. Yigiyas nefesh, toil of your soul. Yigiyas basa, toil of your flesh, meaning it's two levels of toil. There's discipline, physical discipline, how you eat, how you sleep, how you work, etc. And yigiyas nefesh is to think about things, to meditate about things, it's mental work. You can reach a state that mitzad the there is a change. You lose that crazy passion of addiction that you had. And you become cold to what a year ago or a week ago you were so excited about and it consumed your whole life. That's a serious stage in Avaida. You mamish, you, 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 huh? Second stage, you, you affected the hardware of your personality. That's no small thing. Now here he speaks about it in absolute terms, meaning the person stands in a state of kriyos, of coldness, but like everything in chesedus, huh? Like everything in chesedus, you have it arichampen and zeirampen. You have it in, in grand terms, you have it in small terms, meaning it can be in one minute. In one Indian, you manage to be like a tzaddik. Where it's not only you don't let it control you, you're not even interested anymore. It doesn't mean anything to you. It's not calling you. It doesn't, doesn't call you. You don't have to decline. And you don't have to go through a struggle. Should I take the call? Should I not take the call? It's not inviting you. It's not speaking to you. You block, you block out that telephone call. It doesn't come anymore. Huh? Block call, yeah? The Benini can't block. Everything comes. This person blocks. It's not, there's no issue. I don't have a struggle with this. I'm completely cold when it comes to this. Now, 
But this is not pshat yet that his nature was transformed to toif. You have what's called bitl b'shishim. What's bitl b'shishim? The milk is so outnumbered by the meat. It's a ratio of 1 to 60. It's bottle. Sometimes you have bitl b'elef. Sometimes you have bitl b'revav, 1 in 10,000. But bitl doesn't mean you became part of the meat. It just means you're not noticed anymore. We can't see the milk. We can't taste the milk anymore because there's so much more meat that this drop of milk doesn't have significance. There's so much more toiv, it's so much more intense that the rab becomes like insignificant. It's like it's, it's there, but it just it becomes silent. Like there's so much going on, it doesn't have an appeal. You have something deeper. The nature of warmth that the person had before, now that very passion, he converts into Kedusha. We see about, it says about you have the craving between man and woman. So that craving, that passion won't disappear. The same passion between the man and the woman, between the hay and the yud, will burn with the fire of Kedusha. When it says that the light will glow like the day, it doesn't only mean that the day will destroy, will obliterate the night, but it means. The energy of the Choshech itself, that passion itself, will be converted into Kedusha. And what that means in a person's life is that not only do they, do, they, do they distance themselves from their past, either in a state of Iskafia or in a state of Ishapcha, meaning either in a state where you don't let it control you, or even in a state where you manage to make it so small and insignificant that you don't feel it anymore. Right? Which the reason it's called ishapcha is not really, it's not really ishapcha, it's not really transformation. It's more bittle. It's more bittle. It's like the milk in the chalant, in the huge pot of chalant. You just don't see it anymore. You don't, it doesn't, doesn't mean anything. Why? There's so much good in him, there's so much kedusha. It's like you look at this and you're like, wow, what a stupid, how stupid, how stupid, you know. At a certain point in your life, you have a taiva and it takes up your whole life and you have to fight with it all day. Then you get a little older and you look at it and you say, how stupid. But you, did, you didn't transform it. Yeah, it became weak. You don't feel it. You don't sense it. It doesn't mean anything. But then there's something deeper. The deeper, this is what Ishapcha really means. Ishapcha really means is that you actually understand what its Pnimius is and you convert it into a force of Kedusha. Because every Inyan that we're looking for in its ultimate mocker, the Nefesh Abahamas is not bad. In its ultimate mucker, the Nefesh Bahamas comes also from Hashem. Elamai, in its manifestation, it's looking for unholiness. But if you could really understand what this is about, then you could take the very passion, the very taiva, and that very energy could be converted and harnessed into a force of Kedusha. And that's what real healing is. So it's three states. And both are very significant. Iskafia is no, you don't let it control you. Ishapcha number one means 
you reach a state of much more clarity and maturity to the point that the taiva becomes quite meaningless, quite insignificant, quite irrelevant. It's like, you know, it's like a dead bird. There's nothing to it. You're not, you're not excited about it. But you didn't transform it. It just, you overwhelmed it. You overwhelmed it to the point that it's, it's, it, it shuts up permanently. It's paralyzed. So if you're not transforming it, why is it? It's alcohol. Because there's so many good things going on in your life, and, and you realize what it is. You you work on yourself to the point that you look at it and you're like, oh, okay, it's like pathetic. So it's transformed into nothing. Yeah, in other words, it's not tra- it's transformed in the sense that it's it's you're not battling it, huh? Yeah, the person has been transformed, right? The person is in a state of transformation. They're in a much higher place. And they look at it and just say pathetic. It's just it's like it doesn't it doesn't. Yeah, yeah, we all know, you know, this. sometimes you're 20 and there's, there's some things you completely overwhelm you. You know, 20 years later you look at it and like some f- cute memory in your life. You remember your old life, right? Some things you look at it and you say, like, okay, I was interested in it. Okay, why? I'm not sure, but fine, that's where I was. Not in the point of, point of arrogance, but just it's a certain form of clarity, you know? But that's not dealing with the emotion itself. A deeper level is, and this is very profound, you actually come to discover what underlined that what underlied that taiva. There was something you were looking for. That search in its shodesh is not klipa. You may have been looking for love. You may have been looking for acceptance. You may have been looking for warmth. You may have been looking for camaraderie. You may have been looking for God. You may have been looking for innocence, for truth, for friendship. Which are not bad things. They're good. They're good things. And this was the way you found it. This was the image that you attached to your search. And if you can identify that, okay, and then take that very search and utilize it and realize how you can achieve that true search through something productive and meaningful and truthful, so that very same passion that you had in the past is now transformed and is being experienced in a different facet. And that's the ultimate, because now you actually, you went into it and you took the bull by its horns and you transformed it. But you can't get to stage three if you're not ready for stage one. If you're not ready for Escafia, you're not getting to stage three. It doesn't work that way. Then you're just delusional. If you say, oh, it's really not a bad addiction, there's really good in it, let me discover it, then you're, you're, you're done. You're done. You first have to be able to say no before you could say yes. What about stage two? You can get to stage two without the kafia? No. You can. Of course not. Stage one is the prerequisite. It's the aschala savayda. The question is, and sometimes you stay, in some things you stay at stage one forever. Sometimes some things you go to stage two and sometimes stage three. Stage three is very, very intense because what stage three is, stage three is really the, the true transformation of a matzias. And this is the foundation of, of healing. This is serious recovery. I mean, people in recovery, I mean, this is a very intense process. So these are the three things of how to deal with the shtosis. Kafia, uh, subjugation. And the second thing is the first level of ashapcha, which is not really transformation, but it's... it's huh? I think, I think the word is the person is elevated. The person is transformed. And then there's... 
loses its appeal exactly. So you're not fighting it. You don't have to. You don't have to crush it. There's no big mitzvahs. It, it's like something that's bottle. It's it's bottle b'shishim be'elaf b'revava. The Alter Rebbe calls this a tzaddik v'ralei. There's a ra, but the ra is kafuf. And then you have a mitzvah where the very ra is is is, is transformed. Yeah, it's not. It's converted. Is stage three halos hamidus that the Alter Rebbe says not to get involved in pedik chavches? I think that's part of stage three. I think that's part. And by the way, when the Alter Rebbe says not to get involved in it, he means the middle of davening. He doesn't mean not to do it ever. He means the middle of davening not to get involved in it. You understand? When the machshav is attacking you, don't become its friend. Because you're not there yet. But afterwards you could. When it's attacking you, you need stage one. But he's not delegitimizing stage three. Stage three is a big side in chesedus. It's by tzaddikim during the machshav zara. That's what he means in Tanya. But it's for everybody, not during the machshav zara. Could you give an example of stage three? I think it was when inclination towards looking for friendship. Looking for friendship. Looking for places for friendship. Turn around and say. I'm going to look for proper friendships. No? I think that's... Uh, that's... Uh, Simple. I once heard from the Biel Kana Maisa. The Balshemtiv Davin, very long, every day. I heard this many years ago, so I may not remember all the details, but this is how I recall, but certainly the Nekud of the Maisa is the way I heard it from him. The Balshemtiv Davin, very long, every day. There was a Yid who was an alcoholic, a shikr, <clears throat> complete shikr, completely intoxicated. His brains were drunk. And he would be at the Balshamtav's davening. He would be the stand there, wait there. And right when the Balshamtav would finish, he would go to a local bar and he would get smashed and intoxicated and inebriated for the day. That was a seder. So they once asked him, what's this strange anagin? Uh, and what he explained was as follows. Every taiva, as powerful as it is, is human, and thus it's mortal, and thus it's finite. And therefore, when you're fulfilling the taiva, the pleasure is intense, but it's finite. And that's why once you fulfill it, you're now looking for something else, because you already fulfilled it, and it was limited. The Baal Shem davening, this person felt, had a component of infinity towards it. So when he went to drink afterwards, there was no end to it. In other words, it was fueled by an experience of infinity. And therefore, he was drinking to satisfy that infinite yearning. Now, this person was a deep alcoholic. 
He wasn't a simple alcoholic, which many alcoholics are very sensitive. What does this mean? It means every taiva has finiteness. The Baal Shem Tov's davening was an element of a lakusa, there was bleakvul. So he fed off like a parasite. He used the Baal Shem Tov's davening to feed his taiva and then to go satisfy it. Because when your taiva is fed by infinity, it's so much more hungry. And because it's so much more hungry, the fulfillment of it by the addiction is so much more powerful. Because he's using, he's perverting the bleak vul into feeding it. And that's why you'll see that Jewish addiction has a unique flavor to it. Because when somebody uses their Judaism, or their spirituality, or their godliness, or their holiness for their addiction, so the bleakvul is feeding it, and that creates a whole other intense experience. They're using that for the addiction. So now what happens is, the person has to be able to liberate, liberate themselves. So what this would mean is, that every single taiva has two aspects to it. It has what the taiva is, but it has the kaya chamesava. The kaya is not what the taiva actually is, but the, the energy behind the taiva. What's behind it? I may be addicted to food. You may be addicted to nicotine. You may be addicted to gambling or alcoholism. Or this one is addicted to websites. Or this one is craving this or that. There's what they're craving, but there's what's underlying that craving. What do they really want? I'm looking for the food, I'm looking for the carbs, I'm looking for the cookies, I'm looking for the pizza, I'm looking for the website. What am I really looking? I'm looking for the satisfaction. But how is that going to give me satisfaction? Well, it's going to feel good at the moment. What is it that I'm not feeling good about that it's going to make me feel good? And when you go deeper and deeper, you'll find that the Kaya is not bad, it's not evil. It actually could be very pure. It just directed itself into certain ways. But if you can take that and re-channel it into a venue that is meaningful and productive, so now the same exact passion that you were feeling towards that thing, you could now feel towards something very opposite. It's the same passion, but the manifestation is completely different. This shikr was taking the Baal Shem Tov's energy, and he was letting it feed his addiction. Right? The process, the opposite way is to take the energy behind the addiction and to let it feed your soul. But that's very deep, and you can't get to stage three if you're not ready for stage one and two. Because if you get to stage three right away, it will eat you up. It will destroy you. Okay, another few minutes. has the story, they come tomorrow, they can't drink, it's too bitter. Hashem shows Moshe a tree, and he throws the tree in, and the water becomes sweet. So the Rebbe Hashab and Hemshachayim Beis explains, what tree was this? So the Zoyer says, it refers to Torah, 
Eitz Chayim Hila Machazikim, Bo, which is a tree of life. Avol b'medrish iser shoyze eats mar, but in medrish rabbit says that it was actually a bitter tree that he threw into the water. Or pratius yesh was a kamadeis. There's various opinions what type of tree, whether it was an olive tree. Va'at sheyesh deish sheitz zahaya herdufni shusama moves. There's a view in medrish that it was actually a poisonous tree. What's called the Hardufni bush or, or, or bush or plant. I think it's called the oleander. Which is poisonous. So by throwing in a bitter bush, a bitter tree, a bitter wood into the bitter water becomes sweet. It says, it's like the prosecutor becoming an advocate. The Medrash says the same instrument that he uses to strike, that's the same instrument he uses to heal. It's like in homeopathic medicines, right? You take the homeopathic medicines, it's basically the idea of you fight fire with fire. You understand? You use the very same herbs that are connected to the cause of the illness, that itself becomes... The power to transform it. The water because bitter. <coughs> and the eights is bitter. And with that very eights, which makes things bitter, he's merape. So what is this in Avoida? This is the third pchina. The third pchina that it's not just you go away from the ra. It's you discover it's pnimius and therefore you transform it. Now it seems to me, what's, is this stam? an explanation on the word that Shtus Dikdusha becomes from Shtus Dilumazah, Laila Kayoim Yoyer. So therefore he goes into the three levels. Or perhaps, it seems to me, that these are the three levels that the whole Mimer is discussing. Yediyas HaChiyuv, Yediyas HaShlila, and Shlilas HaShlila. Kalim, Oiris, and Atzmos. Shivisi Hashem Lenegdi Summit. Right, Baruch Hashem. There is Mamalakalalman, where there is some level of grasp where you can experience, you can define what it is, because it's basically you, your essence. Godliness as the heartbeat of creation. Yidiyas Hashlila is the transcendent components of godliness which transcend the person and transcend life soiv of kalam and infinite infinity and therefore the way to relate to it is through shlili yediyas ha-shlili not yediyas and then he spoke that there's atzmos which can't be defined by any definition and shouldn't be defined even by shlili even by negation and therefore mitzat atzmos he says shivisi Hashem lenegdi summit everything is equal because in that space the person is completely one with the essence and there's absolutely no partition and there's no chatzitza and there's no need to negate and it's shaykh to every person because you don't have to grasp it through hasaga. So in Avoida, what does this come out to? It seems to me that these are the three pchinas at the end of the Maimer. Because mamale means, right, my identity is my identity. I take it very seriously. There's toiv and there's ra, and I have to battle. Soiviv means, yidiyas hashlila means, I go to a place that's higher, it's hecher, and therefore, 
these things become negated. They don't have a starka mitzias. They become weak. They don't have an appeal. Mitzad memale there's a skafia. Mitzad soiviv there's a shapcha. Mitzad atzmos there's no evil. Shivisi. Shivisi. There's no evil. What do I mean? There's no. What do you mean? What all this junk? No, 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 no. All this junk is just another component of kedusha. You defined it as junk. You defined it as, but that's what you defined. But it's it's not that. It's all perception. That whole terror around that whole typhus that drove you crazy. It was ill. It was really you dying to be one with God. That's what it is. <laughs> it's the same thing. Recently, you understand? In the beginning of the Mama, I said also that. The, the, the beginning is the Ish that is in Yeah, 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 And that's really the process. Okay, so now he finishes the Maimer, the last, the last tick. My father in law finishes this Sif Sif, hey, explaining how to transform the below Das to higher than Das, and he gives an example. There's people that things do, people, they think there are things that people do, not because they really understand it and appreciate it, but basically because that's what everybody does, that's what the world does, and we just, you know, we follow, we follow convention. There's times of eating. There's times of sleeping. But so the hergish of the world, these are fixed times. You know, comes Shabbos, a certain time, and a meal. Comes Sunday, everything, there's manim, you go to sleep, you nap, and, and these things are holy, you don't change them. Even when you have to engage in business, these times usually never get touched, they never get rejected at all. The Rebbe is explaining in parentheses that what his father-in-law means, even when you have things that confuse you in life, you're in a bad mood. If you're in a bad mood and therefore you can't come to the shir, so you also shouldn't be able to eat supper. If your mom is really so depressed and therefore you can't go to shul, you can't do this, you can't do that, so why don't you lose your taste for food? When it comes to eating, everything is the same. When it comes to sleeping, everything is the same. But are you confused about things? So the pshat is that some things don't get touched. Not only don't they get nullified, he says very often they don't even get changed. The times of kviyas for teira and davening, they often get rejected and they don't have permanency. Meaning, any little thing that's, that confuses his life, anything that is burdensome or bothersome, right away he will change the times of kviyas, of learning and davening, and he will diminish them. Other in Yonim, there's eating and sleeping, even big things that I'm available and he won't touch it. Certainly won't nullify it. And here, any little excuse, any little problem, it's gone. And sometimes it's completely rejected. When somebody starts thinking about his soul, 
Is there wisdom in this type of behavior? Who knows his day? Who knows his time? Nobody has the control to say, wait, wait, till I make sure that I make all the calculations of my life and I make a tzava for my household. Nobody knows. So how is it possible that a person should dedicate his whole soul on things that are not that important, they're not so significant, they don't have substance? And yet the kinyonim of Torah and which is the main, the primary objective of everything, this he rejects, this he changes, this he diminishes, this he nullifies. This is where a person has to control himself and affect himself that he should the very same intensity that he uses for not Kedusha, he should use for Kedusha, should take of Zed the same strength, the same passion, the same unwavering commitment that he has to his business or to his meal time or sleep time or whatever, should exist by him when it comes to the times of learning Torah, to the times of davening, and all concepts related to performance of mitzvahs in a beautified fashion. Through this Havayda, of transforming the Shtuz, that instead of shtus, which is below seichel, he actually takes that very energy and he elevates it to behave in a way that's lemaylam so he goes back to the beginning. He built up a base hamikdash. Makes this world into a which was the whole side of the maimer. That the only way to make a is because the did is for atzmos, and the only way to be a keli for atzmos is not through mamale, not tzayiv, not chiyuv, not shlila, but dafke shtus dikdusha, which is the complete bittel, which is a keli for atzmos. Shemam kikadeskaf yisitra acher. Because as the Zoyer says, when sitra acher is subdued. When we say iskafi, we don't only mean he subdues it, he makes it weak, or he even nullifies it like in the second madrake. We mean transformation. So this is the keli, this hafiche is the keli for Hashem's glory to be in all the worlds. The oil that's in all the worlds identically comes out, which is the oil of Seviv. And this comes out also in our world. And how does it happen in our world? Through the heads of the Jewish people, the leaders. Their function is to link the entire generation with Atzimus, with Hashem's essence, as the Pasuk says in Veschanan. Moshe says, I stand between you and Hashem to communicate to you the word of Hashem. This is an intermediary that doesn't interrupt, it doesn't separate, it's not somebody who comes in between you and Hashem. Every Jew is one with Hashem. It's a mamutza that demonstrates the chibur, how one they are, the connection. So this is what the Nisei Yisrael do. Through this connection 
with the Nisiyei Hadar. And what they accomplished is Kashas with Hatzmus, Payal, and we affect, that in this world, this should be the ultimate home for the ultimate truth, for the truth and the essence of all reality, for Hatzmus and Mohosetzah. This class is brought to you by the yeshiva.net. Please help us continue the classes. Make even a small contribution at www.theyeshiva.net slash donate.